Welcome back, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, brought to you by the Barn Burner Podcast Network and Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. So if you're listening to us on the Dash Radio app, we appreciate that. You can also find us on Spotify or iTunes, anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, by following Backdoor Cut Show. You can also read our content over at the-barnburner.com. Uh, with me today, I'm Zach. Find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro. I've got with me Sam and Rich. Sam, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Um, shout out uh, Grizz for playing a tough game in the playing game, which was uh, hard fought. We'll talk about that. And uh, and also, it, you know, it's been a while since we mentioned, but uh, the NBA's done a great job with the social justice movement. So I feel like we should mention on the show um, you know, justice for Breonna Taylor, and it's been uh, over 150 days, and, and nothing's yet occurred in the Louisville Metro Police Department. So uh, that's something we haven't brought up a lot on the show, but definitely don't want to lose that momentum. Rich, what's going on with you, man? Uh, yeah, man, doing good. Definitely same justice for Breonna Taylor, first and foremost. And uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Got to see the first ABC primetime game for the Grizz broadcast in five years. So, you know, the boys wow. put on the show yesterday for the country to see, for the world to see, maybe. Um, so yeah, can't complain. Right up. I think let's let's start off with talking about the the ABC broadcast and how they had never watched the Grizzlies play in their entire lives. Yeah. Uh, and it not, they, they and did not know Jaron Jackson was on the roster. They had no, no idea. No, at the very end, you could tell they got some sort of producer note, and it was dropped in there by Breen. At the very end, he was like, "This Grizzly has a bright future." You know, they're not playing without you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Tyus Jones. And someone gave him like a sticky note probably with those names on. He probably didn't even know who they were. Um, but but T- Tyler Jenkins was Tyler commonly Jenkins. mentioned. Oh, um, yeah. It was th- replete. I mean, and I'm not talking about just like once and then he's corrected. Like he, they called him Tyler Jenkins throughout the whole broadcast with conviction. Like that was yeah. his name. Uh, and then uh, Mark Jackson at multiple points talked about all the Portland Trailblazers had been through uh, during the bubble and how like, uh, they'd faced a lot of adversity and, uh, and, and without mentioning, of course, the Grizzlies like hobbling through the bubble injury riddled. Uh, and, you know, it's just it, it was it was a tough hang to some degree, but cool to see Josh show up. And uh, you could tell that those guys literally Breen and Mark Jackson had never really watched him because they were legitimately reacting like we had all year on stuff that he does. They were like, oh, he's really fast. And then like, one of them was like, wow, his first steps like lightning quick and he gets to the rim at will. <laughs> And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, like, what what do you think was happening in Memphis? Uh, but it, it's just, you know, I'm glad that they're seeing it. But uh, it was just kind of a, a affirmation that, like, no one actually has watched this team. Uh, and I don't know what they thought we did to win 30-something games, but I don't know. Uh, so here we were. But um, what other thoughts did you have from the playing games, Zach? Dude, all they needed was to get, like, if Prana could have sent him, like, his pregame notes, they would have had more than enough more than they needed. Heck, if they just got on and saw the Grizzlies PR Twitter, they usually tweet out pregame like notes that a lot of the announcers will go over. I don't even think they looked at anything like that. ESPN ABC totally just like didn't care. It's and weird because Jackson seems like so asleep for most of the game. Yeah, I know he's kind of like that, but. Yeah, I'm not a big Mark Jackson guy. He has a couple phrases like "Mama, there goes that man," which is which is classic. But you know, he, he really doesn't know what he's talking about and during the broadcast, unless it's about guys that he coached against, like when he was coaching with the, uh, the dubs, which he always finds a way to work in, by the way, anytime he's like, uh, anytime he's talking about uh, Damian Lillard making threes, he's like, you know, I used to coach a guy who used to shoot threes like that by the name of Stephen Curry. 
and Don't like, know like, if you like, heard of him. Yeah, what well, does have anything to do with anything? But uh, you know, whatever. Like you know, like be your own biggest fan. That's what that's what we should all be. I mean, um, honestly, like the craziest thing for me is that wasn't the worst broadcast that I saw in the bubble in regards to the Grizzlies. Um, yeah. I want to give a, a shout out to Mark Jones of ESPN also who called the Grizzlies Pelicans game, and it was just utter just lack of planning. Um, let's see, Tyler Jenkins. That's what Tyler Jenkins began. So I think Mark Jackson got it from Mark Jones. Um, I think he called DeAnthony Milton, DeAndre Milton, maybe two or three times. Yeah. Um, and then he's even talking about the Grizz playing the Pelicans. He's like, yeah, they played once before this season. They played twice to that point. That was the third meeting. Um, and it's just, uh, just, just be better. You know, be more prepared. If you know you're calling the game, man, do your research, do your homework. We can get on and shoot the shit on a podcast, but these are paid national commentators who clearly are literally like in the bubble. They're in, in the, the bubble. bubble. Like that yeah, they ain't got shit else, man. They haven't watched a fucking Memphis Grizzly game. Just, no. just be straight up, bro. Or can we get people who have? Like, you know, and it's just, you know, I mean, we're used to it, right? It's just the utter lack of national non-recognition. Um, but it's just crazy. But the Tyler Jacobs thing is really killer. I'm like, bro, like, come on. This yeah. man's name is Tyler Jacobs, bro. Come on. He's a head coach in the NBA. It's also not like he jumped from high school. He's been in the. <laughs> right. He's earned. He's paid his dues. Like. Yeah. yeah. He's been. He was a, a championship winner in the G League. Like, he's not like. How, how do they know Nick Nurse? Like, like the back of their hands. And, well, I mean, he wanted a title. But even last year during his rookie year coaching, I feel like everyone knew Nick Nurse. But Taylor Jenkins, they just can't get right. Um, yeah. It, it, it's tough. And it. it it's one of those things, you, and you can see, too, when they're in the announcer's booth, there's, like, this black uh, monitor that has all the information they need readily available. It has all the rosters, all the numbers of the players. Like, it has, like, they'll get fed stats that are interesting to, like, regurgitate onto the broadcast. Like, some NBA stat nerd sitting somewhere in fucking Secaucus, like, typing up, like, this is DeAnthony Melton's first, like, seven-rebound game since 2015. <laughs> like, it'll pop up. Like, I... They, uh, in the bubble, they've got interesting camera angles of their booth, so you can see that. And I've seen that like happen. Uh, so their job is done for them. All they have to do is be able to like read things off a prompter, uh, which apparently is too much to ask. But that so that that is always frustrating, but it, a little bit comical if you're a Grizzlies fan. It, it's pretty par for the course. Um, but outside of uh, no Conchar and the terrible uh, commentating, how you know how do we feel about the the playing game? The the playing game was strange because there were points in the game where. So I watched a lot of it on replay, and I, I had known the out or knew the outcome by the time I watched it. And I'm thinking to myself, "There's no way we lose this game. There's no way. Like Grizzlies are on a roll. They're taking care of business right now. They fought back. Like th- there's no way that this game goes south." But sure enough, Portland comes out, outscores Memphis by nine in the fourth quarter, and just puts it away. With CJ McCollum takes the team on his back, certified Grizz killer. He's been one for years, and he rose to the occasion. Just scored. Jaw was not even playing that bad of defense on him down the stretch, but CJ just a gamer. Like him and Dame are gamers, and they rise to the occasion in that situation. And that's what you hope that you know Jaw and Jaren can be at some point. And Jaw has already done that a lot of times for a rookie. He's he's already showed that he's capable of that. But, like, Dame and CJ are, what, 28 and 30? And Ja just turned 21? He's, like, nowhere even near his prime. So, like, the the ceiling is really exciting for him. Now, though he wasn't super efficient the other day, 
career high, 35 points. Uh, in the bubble, he averaged almost 10 assists per game. And to me, that's like the most notable difference between his rate, uh, pre-bubble and during the bubble is that he averaged almost 10 assists per game in the bubble, which is about three more than he was averaging for the rest of the season. He averaged a couple more points, but his volume of shooting was up and his his efficiency was not very not super good during most of the bubble compared to the rest of the season. But the way he was getting everyone else involved and in this game in particular, like he knew he had to be the guy. So he went out there and did everything that he could to be the guy. Uh, even hit fifty percent from behind the arc, which is very uncommon for him, uh, especially down in Orlando. But that was just very, very encouraging uh, to see that part at, at the least. By you, Rich. Yeah, man. I um, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like you know, I really was like, wow, this is really happening. Like this fucking like sudden death ass NBA game, right? Like a game seven before the playoffs even start. Um, and so, you know, Portland jumped out quick, man. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, but Jenkins called a timeout. And you could tell, like, whatever he executed, whatever the coaching staff went through in that timeout or that space between the first and second quarter, the Grizz went out and executed the fuck out of that shit. Um, they started feeding JV in the post. Um, they got out and ran. And I looked up and, like, they were on a run. And they, had, like, clawed back. Um, I think that's just a testament to the team, uh, for sure. Just no no quit, no fight. Like, there's, there's no way. Um, they could have just, you know, laid down. Um, but they they fought they fought tooth and nail. Um, Kyle Anderson just like went off in the second quarter, just dishing that thing. Like he was just fighting JV, feeding the big man, uh, and the guys just looked good. And like you know, there was a moment in the fourth quarter where I think we won a little run. I'm like, damn, they they might pull this off. Like this might actually be happening. Like I was on Twitter and like the top like 12 trends nationwide or worldwide with like Grizzly player names. It was like Tolliver and fucking yeah. uh, like shit. Like Anthony Tolliver was trending. Like, and you know, I just, they put on a show and like my dad even texted me and he's somebody who is very rare to share praise. He's always going to find something credible. He, he texted me, he was like, Grizz, bright future. It was just Grizz, period, bright future. And I was like, that, that's all I need to hear. Yeah, you're damn right. Um, Cause they're, they're ready, they're hungry. And I'm just thinking about all the missing pieces. Um, and yeah, Portland can talk about, you know, Rodney Hood and Trevor Arisha, but that's that's not Jaron Jackson. Um, that's not that's not our backup point guard, which is why Ja is playing 40 plus minutes a night. Didn't take a breather in the second half yesterday um, because there legitimately wasn't another true point guard on the roster uh, to spell him. Um, and I'm just excited to see, you know, how we continue to build from this, because for me, yesterday didn't feel like an ending. Right. It really felt like a beginning. Yeah. It didn't feel like the end of the season. It felt like, fuck, like we got to take off. Um, this shit is about to get real. You know, next season we might go from the hunters to the hunted. Um, people are going to be coming back for that spot, you know, Golden State, other teams, et cetera. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how the Grizz handle that shit. And I'm excited as fuck that we have John Morant to lead us through that. My man, John playing with a broken thumb was revealed for the last four games. Uh, and something I didn't even notice was the splint he had on his thumb, but that also would explain his shooting being even worse. You know, he's a, he shoots with his right hand. That was the broken thumb. So can't imagine that being healthy for your jump shot. Um, so, you know, that, that makes some sense. And maybe why he was missing the floater that he usually makes and all that. Uh, but yeah, they fought like hell. And um, I thought that the, the game was great theater too, just for the average NBA 
goer that tunes in and gets to see the Grizzlies, like we looked fun, you know. And uh, it was one of those things where a lot of people were saying, "Oh, wish the Suns had been in, wish the Pelicans had been in." But then I thought when they tuned into that, they were like, "Oh shit, like this is actually really fun." Yeah. And there's a lot of people hating, like. Um, you know, like Pelicans the Twitter and Suns Twitter that are still being haters about it. But like, if everyone's being honest with themselves, like that was a great game, uh, objectively. And it was just two, they, they, you know, the before the game, they hyped up with the montage of Dame versus Job. You know, it was a battle of the point guards. They had their narrative. The NBA loves the storylines and they were able to find one, you know, with these two mid-major point guards, one kind of at the end of his prime and one far from entering his prime. Uh, and kind of the, the they, they hyped that up and it literally, I mean, it delivered, you know, past their wildest expectations, I imagine. Um, but also, I thought the Grizzlies played, like, probably the best game that I've seen them play, maybe this season, um, you know, maybe, maybe definitely in the bubble, but in terms of all the uh, percentages. Uh, we'll say that uh, I looked at the plus minuses of everyone, and Job was like a minus 18 or something. Um, I think probably due to his eight turnovers and the fact that he was, you know, one-on-one guarding, like, two of the best bucket-getting guards in the league. Uh, so it was like probably his defense skewed his numbers. Uh, and it, I, I mean, I, I don't think he was horribly inefficient getting his 35, but, you know, he, he wasn't as efficient as we know him to normally be. But all the scheme was good, man. Jenkins had a good-ass game plan. Like, we we doubled Dame for the most part. We didn't let him get comfortable. Dylan did a great job on Dame. And, I mean, really, Dame didn't have a good game. Like, uh, he was 4 of 15, I believe, uh, maybe 5 of 16. And uh, all five of those shots were threes. Uh, and I think he was like five of 14 from three or something like that. Most of his points came from the free throw line, uh, which I also want to get yeah. into. And uh, I mean, you know, like that's, I get it, you know, like um, superstars are going to get those calls uh, and he's going to go to the line a lot. Uh, but, you know, notably the Blazers shot 19 more free throws than the Grizzlies. They made almost all of them. So they capitalized for sure. Uh, but, you know, when you looked at, at all of the measurable stats, you know, not the plus minus, not the advanced metrics. You looked at, you know, three point shooting percentage, threes made, assists, rebounds, um, you know, turnovers. We had more, but they didn't really even capitalize off of them. We actually played a better game all all around statistically. And I mean, I, I have to imagine there's not many times that the other team wins. Uh, in, in, in when you look at stats like that, uh, it was just it was just the game of free throws. Uh, and to me, it's like. I was I was on Twitter pissed off because I felt like the league had no intention of letting the Grizzlies win that game um, if they had their preference. And to me, that the only way you can control is is free throws. That's like the only way that they can control points. Uh, they can't control like if John Morant goes crazy or if like we bomb a bunch of threes, which we did. Like we made more threes than we usually make more efficiently than we ever make. Like we played such a better game than we have uh, that the only way they could control the outcome was free throws. And I'm not saying like it was literally a phone call down. But I think that they didn't want us to get to the second game. This is conspiracy, Sam, because then it's like we could win game two. You know, like if we get there, then suddenly they're really looking at a situation where the Grizzlies are the eighth seed. And they definitely don't want that. Uh, yeah. So they want Dame versus LeBron. Like they, I, and they should because it's like it's a profiteering center. You know, it's like they're trying to make money and they just lost a bunch of money. So I get it. But you can't tell me that like 19 more free throws isn't absurd. Like especially the fact that we were attacking the rim. We are an attacking team. We're not a team like Golden State, for example, that just shoots a bunch of threes. So it's it's feasible that there could just be less drives to the rim and therefore less free throws to award. Like, we, Job was going to the rim every possession just recklessly. Uh, and JV was scoring in the post recklessly. Uh, and, like, it, it, I'm not one of those ones that thinks that, like, they should have called a ton of fouls. But if they're going to call it on one side, you know, call it both ways. But what do you guys think about that? Do you think there's any – credibility to that or am I just being a such a Grizzlies homer that I can't 
see past it. What's really interesting about that is when Memphis played Portland a couple of weeks ago, uh, the, the tip-off to the restart, it was pretty much the inverse with the free throws. Memphis took 50, and Portland only took 34 in that game. So I completely, you know, and I also that game was officiated much differently because I don't know if the officials were trying to set a precedent or what exactly they were trying to do, but there was like three or four technical fouls for very minimal stuff, like people flexing after they dunked on someone, that kind of thing. So the, the officiating was very odd in that game, but I do. it's obviously in the NBA's best interest to see Dame, the hottest guy in the bubble, and against LeBron. And if they could have, they would have gotten Phoenix there in that playing game instead of us just because what a great story that is. 8-0, Booker's going crazy, Booker versus Dame and CJ. I mean, that's good. That's good theater right there for sure. Uh, but I think subconsciously, yeah, they were thinking, hey, these are – that's just how it always is. Like, those guys are always getting the calls. The All-Stars are always going to get the calls, the veterans. The the referees are just going to be probably biased towards them compared to the guys who've just come in the league, just come in the league, haven't earned their stripes, don't have the rapport with them. Uh, I think it could be a lot of that human, human error and bias just kind of comes into play. I think that's like kind of up to the coach, too, to point that out throughout the game. Maybe Taylor did, like. Or Tyler or whatever, but like I, I feel like the, you know pulling the ref aside and being like, "Go ref!" Like look at the free throws, and then the free like I feel like refs always anytime that's pointed out. Zach and I always talk about this. They immediately start calling fouls on the other team, like to equal, to equal the fouls and to try to get the free throws more even because they don't want to be accused of because that is such a tangible way to like. And of course, the explanation could be one team just fouling more than the other, and we do foul a lot. Um, but but in this game, I feel like it, it wasn't that like it. It was just guys going to the rim, and then you know they would get the whistle, and we would. That was just like, I mean, anytime you go to the rim, it's bang bang, and like I never know what's a foul at the rim, like ever, like unless it's a clear swipe down on an arm, and there really wasn't a lot of that. In fact, Grayson, you know, clearly blocked a shot, yeah, uh, and then gets called for a foul, and then um, you know, like you know, reacts accordingly. Doesn't even yell at the ref; just turns around and is pissed off because he clearly blocked it, and you know, they give him a tech. And then they don't let Jenkins uh, challenge it. Like he's actively trying to challenge on the sidelines. They just like pretend like they don't hear him, presumably. And then Portland inbounds the ball quickly, and then we're off and running again. And that was like a big game momentum changer right there. Um, it's just like I don't know. Like I, I know I'm small market energy right now, and I'm like thinking we're being picked on. But like I, I, I just feel like we didn't get a fair shake. You know, I, I feel like we played as good of a game as we possibly could, and we still couldn't get the win. And that's just kind of dis- that's just that's just it just sucks. Yeah, man, I think, you know, I, I knew what it was going to be in the first quarter. Um, there were so many whistles in that first quarter in favor of Portland. It was, it was just ridiculous. Um, you know, and, and you, you bring up Jenkins with the challenge, and everyone has been actively dying for this man to use a challenge. It's just I don't know what the deal so, is. It's so right that the one moment he wants to use a challenge, he, he gets rooked. Like, he can't even fucking challenge it. Yeah, um, it's and that's just it's just fucking it, it sucks, man. He like you said, he bricked his hell. Um, because Grayson blocked that shit first and foremost. Grayson blocked. Grayson blocked. Oh, he would have won the challenge. Um, yeah, he would have definitely won a challenge. Take away two def- free throws. Like suddenly, we two points off the board, our ball, right. and then no tech. 
Yep. So it's like that's a three-point swing and a momentum yeah. swinger. Like it was a huge point in the game. Momentum like, swinger. Yeah. But like you said, like we know what it is. We know the narrative they're pushing um, for the one and eight seed. Uh, even on the pregame show, like it wasn't even about Blazers versus Grizzlies. It was like, what's the over/under? Let's take bets on how much Dame is going to score. And I'm just like, bro, can we just like re preview the game, please? Um, and even at the half, like you know, the Grizzlies played a damn good first half, and. Thank God, like, Jalen Rose finally mentioned, like, Valanciunas in, like, the final 10 seconds of the broadcast. Like, oh, yeah, shout out to J uh, J Jonas Valanciunas balling, yeah. too. I'm like, like, the music was already playing in the graphic yeah, the with Joe and I. They talked playing, about Nurkic bro. for, like, talked about Nurkic and his <laughs> oh, grandmother. You know, RIP, passed away from COVID. But, like, uh, yeah, first of all, Nurkic is a grade-A bitch, dude. I hate watching Nurkic play. Like, I, I, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I hate watching I hate, him whine. I hate watching his defense. I hate watching him whine. It, I, he is immensely skilled. I'll give he is immensely skilled, great hands, yeah. like the complete opposite of Hassan Whiteside. Um, but I definitely hate watching him play basketball. And it's, it's just whining and shit. And like in the in the in the in the halftime show, I'm just like, dude, like, are y'all gonna talk about the other team at all? Like, I know you don't want to. I know you don't, but can you at least mention like there was a 22 to 6 run here in the sec? Like, come on, man. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah, it is. I mean. And I don't know if anyone ever points it out. It's like there's the, like the only – that's why I always – Chris Vernon, I'm glad he exists because I'm glad that he, like, he has the platform now at the ringer. Like, and he actually says all this stuff on a national scale. And, like, basically anytime he says these things, all of his ringer compatriots who are all, you know, Boston, New York, like guys from big markets – well, yeah. guys and girls from big markets that are fans of big teams for the most part are always kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And, like, they don't really buy it. Uh, but but, like, but yeah, they do start sure. thinking about it, like and 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 they really they never I will say they never have a rebuttal to it. They're never like, oh, well, here's why that's not the case. Blah 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 blah. And like you know, every time Verno would go in about the Pelicans and how all the league wanted was the Pelicans to be in, they set this thing up for the Pelicans and the Pelicans sucked ass just like they did all season. And everyone's like, well, it's just because you know Zion wasn't back in shape and Alvin Gentry is the bad coach. And you know, when when earlier in the season Alvin Gentry was this great basketball mind, he's really going to have him humming. It's just like. It, like, let's stop getting in the spin zone and let's talk about like what actually happened, not like what you hoped would happen or how you can spin it to be your way. Like, and you know, the facts are 19 more free throws is absurd when two teams are going to the rim. Um, it, it's it, that's insane. Like, I that's indefensible to me. And, and like, I, I would love to see like a third party audit the game and be like, this is completely unfair. Like, if you're going to call that a foul, then this should have been a foul or you know, and all, all of the above. But I, I don't know. Like, We'll hope that Jaws starts getting those calls, and and you know he likely will. But uh, I don't know when suddenly they decide that a guy's good enough to get those calls, or like I don't know how that works. I guess it's just a matter of like once the refs know you. But I don't know. Yeah, I think if anyone is gonna get that for the Grizzlies, it's gonna be Jaw because he's the one. So he's the one going to the rim, and he's gonna be the superstar of the team, even if Jaron becomes. I, I just think that Ja has the more superstar personality and is going to be – he's already the face of the team pretty much. Jaron's perfectly content, it seems, to be the the second, you know, 1B to the 1A. And he honestly, he's already fouling so much. He's not going to have any, like, any room to talk because he objectively fouls so much. Mm -hmm. He, like, cannot not play intelligently, whereas Ja, on the other hand, is much more – He's much quicker, much more adept at like his basketball IQ, and I think that will encourage him to be, you know, work to develop these relationships with the officials and 
have the potential to be on the other side of this, you know, down the road. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I saw him in that game, the Portland game, once the whistle started going. I saw a couple times Chaw would jerk, jerked his head uh, when he was getting downhill and he'd get bumped. He'd like jerk and never any call. And then McCollum would do it and there'd immediately be a call. It was like, I, I was just like, dude, like, what are we even doing here? Like, is this, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, you can't, you can't start a race from two different points and then expect the team starting way behind the starting line to be able to win. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I know I'm obviously watching through the homer eyes, but um, anything else from the game? JV had a great game. Um, I mean, a- everyone I thought played well. No Josh Jackson. He seems to have completely fallen out of the rotation, which to me would exhibit the front office's plans to not sign him uh, or to not uh, pick up his option, maybe. Or maybe we pick him up as a warm body on the bench, and I don't know. Uh, but he's clearly out of favor with Jenkins, which it seems like really fucking hard to get to that state. Because think about how many minutes Guter, Marco played uh, and, and like how, you know, how long it took for him to get yanked with a giant yeah. wooden uh, hook. Like, but Josh, like, I don't know uh, what he did, but yeah. I saw some tweet said Josh must fuck Jenkins girl. And I was like, eh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that that is... just happened like quick. Yeah. Like, just like, it just happened. Right. I'm like, Gorgie Ding is still getting minutes. Um, so if he's laboring up and down the court, Josh Jackson must have really done something. And I don't think he's in the plans for the future, it looks like. I think he's going to be gone this summer. Um, we'll always have that stretch in early March or whatever that was where he was dropping points. Uh, but, hey, it is what it is. Dylan Brooks has a stretch like that. He gets signed to an extension. Josh Jackson has it. Gets sent to the back of the bench. Yeah, oh, Dylan played a good game. Uh, Dylan, he did. You know, like he, he played a his fantastic. Ass off. Yeah, he really did. Off, he really did, and that's that's exactly you know he like and, and no point will we ever, you find us ever saying that he doesn't try really hard. Like that's that's never the knock on Dylan. It's just like focusing that that effort. And he did a great job, man. Defending his ass off, like um, like Rich said, and he also like hit some open shots. He was going to the rim instead of. He had a huge M1 that kind of was part of fueling that that comeback in the third quarter uh, is where we took the lead. And I, I thought he played really well. And uh, Jenkins did a much better job in the, in the second half of the bubble, getting him going at the beginning of the game, getting him some dribble handoffs at the elbow, going towards the rim, uh, putting him in spots to score. And therefore, you know, once he scores at first, then every shot he takes a little bit better. And then it's like a snowball effect. So I uh, really like to see what, what Dylan, was do- Dylan was doing in those games. And, uh, yeah, I mean – he definitely played a great second half, so that was good to see. Anyone else that from the from the playing game that you guys thought excelled or you know want to mention? Uh, I thought Kyle Anderson played a really solid game. Uh, he showed flashes of what the Grizzlies were probably envisioning when they signed him. Um, just that additional facilitator on the floor. Um, he moves at his pace. He has some nice drives to the basket where he's going to always be at his pace. He's going to lull the defender to sleep. Um, he has some nice end ones as well, so I think Kyle – played a really solid floor game and showed a really, um, to me, unforeseen before, unique rapport with JV um, to where, you know, they were running the, the screen and roll and JV was rolling and Kyle would hit it right in the pocket. Um, and JV would have an easy one, an easy bunny. Um, so definitely Kyle. Um, also, I think, uh, I don't know if this was due to Tyus. I don't know how much of an impact Tyus being not had on this, but my man, De'Anthony Melton struggled um, a bit for sure. It's just that that tweener space really stuck out where he's not necessarily a, a strong enough ball handler to be the one and initiate the offense, but he's not a good enough shooter to really be the two. So I think he's in that weird tweener space where I, I saw him really uh, kind of struggling, still hustling, you know, still 
scrappy, getting steals, et cetera, can finish. Uh, but yeah, he's he's gonna definitely um, have some work to do this summer as well. And I think you know he's somebody that would lock in and do that. Yeah, I think not having the primary ball handler on that second unit really exposes what Melton is and isn't. So he's Mr. Do-Something, yes, but he is not Mr. Do-Something on offense when there's not another point guard. That is yeah, not he's what not he Mr. is. Yeah, he's not Mr. Handle, dribble the ball much. Yeah, he's not, no. Not part of do his all, bag at all. Do all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, Brandon Clark with another hyper-efficient game. He stepped out and hit four or five threes. So I thought that was pretty impressive. He really helped open the floor up to give uh, JV some more room down there to operate. A terrible plus minus on Clark, but overall uh, his scoring was very efficient. Obviously, it's kind of yeah like a minus twenty seven. That I is mean, yeah on on on, and he shot seventy two percent from the field and eighty percent from three. I mean, it has yeah, to his, be rebounding. Or, I'm sorry, it has to be defense. But like uh, like. You know, I, I, I can't think of a time where he was just completely burned or something. Um, you, I remember the CJ, you know, drives on Ja, which I think after that first CJ bucket, you probably run try to run a double at him and get the ball out of his hands. And I know then you have Dame. Okay. But, like, Dame was not at that point, you know, their best player. Like, CJ got three straight buckets to put the dagger in. It's a, he really you know, did. Like, after the first one, especially the second one, like give Josh some help, man. They just left him on an island out there. Yeah, they left him and on like, an island. Was, and man. like you said, it wasn't even like he played bad defense. Like he, he just—I mean, CJ's a better scorer, and that's just CJ's all. CJ's just good. a killer, and yeah. BC definitely overhelped on the drive where he left Melo wide open for the dagger as well. Definitely. Oh man, Mello, yeah. Mello, Mello, Mello had been broke all night, but you know he's gonna make that. One. You just man. I knew that was going in when he shot it. The thing is, he killed us with that that exact shot on the first game too. He had two back to back threes like that. And then I watched the Blazers a lot throughout the bubble because, you know, they were a competition. And he, he missed every single other three like that in clutch time. And, like, the, it, there was a couple times in the Nets game where he missed a uh, clutch three like that that would have put him away. And that's why they had so many close games is because he w- he never hit those shots for anybody else, but he hit it in our games, like our two games. And I, I, I he's 0 for 5 from three, and then he ends up going 1 of 6 when he hits that. Um, then, of course, he's 3 to the dome acting like he was 6 of 6, and that's just what Melo does, you know. But, like, uh, you know, I, I probably deserved that for Melo Slander earlier in the season. Um, but he did not play a good game. And, honestly, like, every time he dribbled in the paint, started, like, working on someone and was going to take, like, a fadeaway contested two, like, I was, like, perfect. Like, even if that goes in, that's that's much better than a, a Dame or CJ3. Um, but, you know, like, it just wasn't meant to be. And, yeah, like, the future's going to be bright. Um, so unless you guys have any thoughts on the play-in, we can move to uh, to kind of the upcoming season and then what we expect to happen. Um, Zach, I proposed this question to you before we got on the podcast, but are the Grizzlies in the playoffs next season? It depends on health, I think. I think Ja is going to average – Assume health. Assume everyone assume is healthy every- on every team. I would say yes. I think that they were right on the cusp this year, and I I can do nothing else but be optimistic and assume that they will be at least slightly better than this year, be that much closer to a 500 team when they outplay their win total by 10, 12 games this season. That's all all I can do as a Grizzlies fan. It's hard for me to say – without Winslow, but I really am hanging on him being a really key factor, especially tightening up on the defensive end for the Grizzlies. 
because guess what? He could have been guarding CJ at the end of that game and not John Morant. So having that go-to defender who's very versatile where you aren't going to have your six-foot point guard as exposed as much, that's going to be something that is very key, that all these teams who are going to make deep runs in the playoffs, that's what they have. Yeah, I mean, you can't. There's there's some shit you can't tell me. There's a lot of shit that no one could tell me. But one of those things is that that we wouldn't have been. We would have kept our eighth seed, and we would have beaten the Blazers in the play-in if we'd had a healthy team. Um, and that includes Justice and Jaren healthy and Tyus healthy for the whole bubble experience. Uh, I, I I don't know how you could say we wouldn't have kept our eighth seed and also beaten them. First of all, even if we had them for that one game, that play-in game, we beat that team. Um, that Blazers team. There's just there's no way around it. Like we almost beat them, handicapped. Uh, so uh, th- th- that's a, a healthy team is definitely a crucial component. Rich, which like, if I we think, are to be the eighth next seed, year, I think next year Memphis is better than Portland. Like overall, like if it comes down to the situation, I definitely put Memphis in because your two stars over there are going to be a year older, and Memphis, you know, we're assuming that they have everyone that at least puts them in the eighth slot. I was going to ask who you think falls out, Rich. I mean, if we are to be the eighth seed, then someone's got to fall out of there. I say if I were to say currently of current playoff teams who I would not foresee being back next year, I'm going to go with OKC. I think I'm going to go with OKC. Um, Shout out to Chris Paul. Uh, He's done a hell of a job this year. I thought he was definitely going to get a wave or buyout trade deadline for sure. Uh, But he's been – playing his ass off and being a solid leader for them, but I just don't foresee that sustaining. They're clearly in a rebuild. They're headed to a rebuild. Um, so I don't foresee them being back in the playoff picture next year. Shy would definitely be a year older, a year better. Um, for sure, he's a great foundational piece, but I don't see that. Um, so, yeah, I would say OKC. And then when we think of the teams who weren't in this year that we think could be in that year, I'm not even including New Orleans because I know the media wants that. Um we could throw Golden State in there, of course. Um, they're almost certainly going to be in. Yeah, they're, they're certainly they're, they're going to be they're one of the eight seeds. Yeah. yeah. So that's you know that's a uh, that's two spots that we're looking for now. So who and, else and falls out? The, the Suns too. I, I'd say if you're a betting man, you almost have to bet that we won't be. Um, just because of the odds, like, you know, because you can't see the West a situation. Is a bitch, man. The West is a bitch. Like, I don't want to fucking see Brooklyn or Orlando. Like, that could be Memphis and Phoenix, honestly. Yeah. Like, that shit, the format was trash, but that's another pod for another day. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, man, like, Phoenix. And Spurs. Spurs look good, too, uh, at the end of the bubble. And DeMar's really accepted that power forward spot. They didn't have LaMarcus. Uh, I think they got some really good play from some young guys. Like, they always find these guys, these, these European guys. Uh, I think they have uh, that, that one young point guard they got with the uh, – what's his name? Derek, uh, Derek White. Derek He's, White. I thought he played excellent. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I have to imagine they're going to come for a spot too. Pop's still going to be back. The, the Kings, we, we saw them, you know, yeah. perform really well last season. This season just sort of firebombs, a lot of injuries. I mean, the Suns, did they build on this 8-0 no run and become, you know, like a, a over 500 team? Um, I've never I, seen I, it, so I, couldn't, I can't, like, I can't put my money there because I'm, history does not show that that would be the case. The West is a bitch. I, w- I would say I would see the Suns in the playoffs before I see the Kings. I just don't see it happening for Sacramento. They're cursed. So a lot of people are comparing us to the Kings uh, in that they think that we're going to have a, a, a sophomore year of, like, oh. disappointment because, like, we 
uh, a lot of the national media that mm -hmm. like Zach Lowe is, is re really thinks that we're going to regress in year two because we, we now the fan expectations are high. We've heavily overperformed our our expectation uh, nationally. And so he says like he's, you know, he can't he sees a situation where we do, you know, like have a tough second year. Uh, especially considering this. everyone in the West is really good. I mean, who's the worst team in the West? Minnesota? Like, and they have Carl Anthony Towns and and D'Angelo Russell. Russell. They have yeah. like Carl Anthony Towns, who everyone two said superstars. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, two all number one and a number two pick. Like, right. So it's like, crazy. and they have Malik Beasley now, who's in theory a great wing third option. Yeah, he's a bucket. Uh, yeah, so it's like who you know. I mean, I think I we have to think make. The, I think we have to have another equally as playing ahead of our years next year as we did this year, we have to basically make a similar level jump to make the playoffs. Like we have to be, you know I'm saying? Like keep this trajectory of development and, you know, I, I don't know whether it will happen or not, but like, I'm just trying to keep my expectations like very much tempered um, because the West fucking sucks. Yeah. So I feel like Utah might be one of those teams that struggles next year. So they were, you know, projected to be very good this year and did, uh, at with a six eleven win percentage, and they're in the sixth slot, but they got a lot of stuff going on between Gobert and Mitchell, who they've had issues for months now. They've not mended fences, like actually, uh, Mike's not performed well there, up to expectations. You know, kind of a lot of roles are kind of out there in the air, and I could see them being one of those teams that fails to keep up with the rest of the pack as everyone else improves or gets all their, gets all their guys back, gets all their horses back and gets back to where they ought to be. And I could see Utah being one of those teams that falls behind and falls out of that playoff picture. De but devil's advocate, you know, you got a uh, uh, Spida, you got Donovan Mitchell, who's 23, I think 24, maybe at mm -hmm. tops. Uh, he's and only going to get better. Yeah. They would have had a twenty point per game scoring, Bogdanovich right now. Bogdanovich is coming back. You know, Rudy's still young. Like they've had their issues for years now. Like they've never liked each other. So I, we've seen them be able to still play through that. Uh, I, I just don't see how that team's going to get worse. Um, you know, maybe they maybe they get rid of Mike's salary and bring in someone else. Bring in a couple role players that break up his his money. If they can trade him, uh, but I really don't see that. I mean, optimistically, would hope, of course, that maybe they fall apart from the inside. But I just don't. I don't know how you could think they're going to fall out reasonably. So, yeah. Well, they. The way I'm thinking is that they might stay if they stay where they're at and they don't get better, then someone else is going to overtake them when they get like say Golden State. You know, get their superstars back. Memphis, if they can make that leap, San Antonio gets their guys back, and if Utah doesn't continue, if they don't improve from where they're at, which. They only were in the sixth slot. It's not like they were in the third or fourth. Then that's how I could see them falling out. Yeah, I mean, but then that means that we got to be, you know, ten games over five hundred to to uh, to even snag a spot. Which you know, maybe we see that, maybe we don't. But I mean, it's going to be a horrendous race uh, next it's be year. A dog and, fight. Yeah, and in the truest form. And I mean, I think the Grizz, like you know, like Scott, we always talk about scar tissue in the league. Like that game versus Portland was a good cut our teeth game, you know, take our lumps. Uh, but then playing the Western Conference night after night is similarly taking your lumps, you know. And um, I think that the Grizz will have to continue to beat up on those bad teams like we did this year and then, you know, go 500 against the good teams uh, in both conferences and we'll see what happens. But uh, what, what you know, what 
well, I'm excited to see the healthy team. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like with Winslow. Like, I, I was really excited to see that after those practice videos mm -hmm. went live and we saw Winslow, like, barking at Jaron. And then I was like, this guy's going to be, like, exactly what we need, like the X factor um, that I think would motivate the guys. And I think it would have been a different story in the bubble. So I don't know what to expect. I really can't even anticipate. But what would you, Rich, what do you want to see next year from the team, maybe uh, transactionally wise? Do you, do you want, uh, you know, the the team to, you know, re-up Josh? Do you want them to pay DeAnthony? Um, you know, what, what do you want to see happen? Or, you know, before the trade deadline, do you want to see a, them attempt to make a trade for a wing scorer? A lot of people throw around Zach Levine, you know, a guy that might be gettable with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, trading Brandon Clark and uh, a bunch of our first-round picks that we've acquired over the years for a guy that, you know, might be gettable. What, what would you do if you were yeah. the Grizzlies? Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely hear your point around Zach Levine for sure. Like I've seen, you know, Booker and Bill – Throwing around as well, but let's be realistic. Um, Zach Levine is gettable, right? Bulls just fired their coach as well. Um, so first and foremost, like definitely excited to see Justice. I think he was the de facto free agent acquisition uh, for this class. Um, and, you know, I think Josh, shout out to Josh Jackson. Um, aside from some minor steps, like it seems like he took everything that the Grizzlies hit him with in stride, uh, was a great teammate, was a great contributor for the hustle. Um, but I don't foresee his future being in Memphis uh, as a Memphis Grizzly. Um, so I, I think he walks. Um, and DeAnthony, so what I've been seeing is, you know, his, his price was rising up um, league-wise. But I don't know what that looks like after the bubble now um, because his play in the bubble definitely diminished a bit. Um, but I would love to see DeAnthony back. I would love to see him re-up, you know, albeit at a reasonable price uh, mm -hmm. because I just really like him as that – that bench two-headed backcourt monster with, alongside Tyus. Um, I just really like the way they play off each other. So I would love to see DeAnthony be up. Um, and I think time and time again, for as long as, you know, we've been Grizzly fans, like wing score, wing score has been that 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 constant knock. And honestly, truly, I could give a damn about, you know, defense or if somebody doesn't do something. If you can put the ball in the bucket, that is what the Grizzlies need. Um, and Zach Levine is somebody who can do that. Um, Zach Levine is somebody who can slot in at that two spot, right, um, and and get buckets. Um, and he he his his usage rate is incredible in Chicago. Of course, it wouldn't be the same here. Um, but I think he also wants to get out of a winning culture. I don't think he's ever experienced a winning culture like this dude went from Minnesota to what, was it straight to Chicago or wherever? Yeah, and straight to Chicago. He's, he's been in, in complete lottery teams his entire career. Um, and I think, you know, he's still young enough to still mess with the with the with the young guys. I think him and Justice might be in the same age range. Um, so I, I mean, I would I would like that, but it is all dependent upon the package, like who will be willing to have to give up. Um, I'm a huge Brandon Clark fan. Um, for sure. I think of course we all know it's still in the draft. Um, but in order to make money, sometimes you gotta spend money. Scared money don't make no money. Um, scared money don't make no money. Young Jeezy, baby. baby. Shout out Young Jeezy. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that's tough. But honestly, so look, if we keep beating the dead horse, we know what we need. If the opportunity is there to grab it, the Grizzlies need to take it. Zach Levine can get you 25 points a night. I think if it's a, a situation where, you know, you're you're around 500, you know, about a month before the trade deadline and you're not and you're healthy, but you're just not seeing what you want. Um, you know, then that might be when you start to think about that and reach out and see if that's available. But you got to be willing to part with BC. Uh, interestingly, Zach Levine's only like a year and a half older than BC. 
So like, you're really not even like you're, you're essentially replacing a young guy with another young guy that could be a part of, if he fits, could be a part of this team for the next five, six, you know, decade. Um, if he, if he works out and if he doesn't, you really just got to work for the rest of his contract and then say, see you later and try to put another guy with John Jaron once they've hit their, their max extensions. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know, like, uh, it's, I think I'll have to see the team fully healthy before I can make that call and see what kind of jump BC makes. Um, but that was really concerning to see a minus 27 when he made four threes and seemed to be unstoppable. Like I just didn't, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's not as plus minus a darling as everyone thinks. I really don't understand what happened there. Zach, what do you want to see next season? Would, would you part with BC? Let's say it's, it's uh, January and we're 500 and we're like the 10 seed and everyone's been healthy, but it's just not, we're just not having enough scoring. Um, or, you know, and our defense is fine, like middle of the pack. We just can't score well enough. Like teams packing the pain on Ja, uh, you know, like bum rushing him off the pick and roll. He, he's, he's shooting the three a little bit better, but he's never going to be Steph. Uh, he's never going to be Kyrie, you know, from the three. Um, so what, you know, what, what would you do at that point? Would you try to make a splash or would you just say, let's, let's ride another year with these guys? I uh, think that it depends. So it depends on a couple things to me. Depends, like, how is BC playing? Is he holding it down uh, on the second unit? How close is he to getting uh, 20 points per game? Are his minutes up from this year? Kind of what – because I think there are minutes left on the table this season that he could have played that he didn't, maybe because some of the lineups that we had. Uh, now that, you know, Jenkins has got had – had a year under his belt to kind of play with that a little bit, how did Brandon and Jaron, they really didn't play that much together this season. So I'd really be curious to see how those two pair together. But like Rich said, offense is a big blind spot or weak spot for Memphis. They were 23rd in the league in offense per cleaning the glass. On the defensive end, they're pretty pretty average right in the middle at 15th. And that's with who I believe is one of the anchors of the defense, Jaron missing time so with if you get more time for jaron in there he's really the only true rim protector that gets minutes jv is a good defender on other post players but as far as like protecting the rim he just shriveled away and does absolutely nothing pretty much but yeah. i think that it is it is going to take another player like a pretty much a a dylan brooks upgrade so I, I don't know if Dylan in his current role is going to be the guy, unless he becomes more efficient somehow. He's not going to be the guy that is the missing piece to this core. But if you could get a, an upgrade on Dylan Brooks, I think I even said like Dylan Brooks, yeah, I've said this in our articles and podcasts that his greatest value to the Grizzlies is honestly going to come on the trade market at some point. And that could be this year. It could be another year. Uh, could be – what I'd like to see is like a trade for Buddy Heald, something like that, who's disgruntled out in Sacramento. Of course, they, you know, Vladi just left. They got some things going on. So he, his attitude could change out there. But I consider that an upgrade for Dylan. Could see them taking Dylan off our hands, plus, plus some picks, some salary filler, just to kind of rectify that situation with Buddy. But that's the kind of guy that I think could really put Memphis over the edge. Someone who's shooting the three. 40 plus percent uh, at a high clip, high efficiency. Good defender. Uh, I, I, yeah, good enough defender. I think that's the type of player that would be very helpful for Memphis. 27 and years old. Who, though. 
Very old. Or 28 uh, or 29. We don't actually know how old yeah, yeah. is. He's it's listed at 27, which means he's like 34. But like, yeah. uh, I mean, he, he is a, uh, you know, like a, probably a, a more cerebral player than what Zach Levine's known as. Uh, so, yeah. I, and, and maybe you don't have to give up Brandon Clark to get him, but I feel like you have to, I feel like we're going to get, we're going to get sandbagged for Brandon Clark in any trade we try to get, because everyone knows what we need and knows that, um, that, that he's a piece that we, you know, maybe would give away. I don't know what the front office feels on him, but which, I think the ultimate is, goal is to have Brandon Clark be the four and Jaron be the five. I think Brandon Clark really kicks in in his truest Brandon Clarkiest when JV's off the roster, right? After JV's oh, got yeah. two more years on his contract. So I think, you know, that he's kind of manning, batting down the hatches and manning that post right now at the five spot as a really, really strong, constantly good post player um, that's just great for the team. Seems to be the guys all love him. He's like a really good mentor for the guys. Uh, and he's kind of, he's a vet um, for purposes of this team. And then the ultimate goal would be for his contract to roll off. And then, or maybe we trade him in his last year because um, he's a, he's got a great deal. It descends in price, uh, and then start start Brandon at the four and Jaron at the five, and had play this really really futury switchy, athletic front court that both can shoot threes and block shots and are just all over the place. Um, that would be the goal, and it would be a shame to trade Brandon Clark before we could see that consistently in action. And honestly, one of the the things that Brandon has going in his favor the most with this team is his chemistry with Jaw. I think his chemistry with Jaw far supersedes Jaw and Jaron's chemistry at this point. They're throwing alley-oops to each other. I mean, you see all the highlights where Brandon's throwing them to Jaw. Like, that's not super common in the league. And I, so those two guys play very well together, which is probably going to decrease the odds that Memphis is willing to let go of him. Uh, just because he elevates Jaws' game and gives him more options uh, on both ends of the floor, so I think that is kind of an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't think the Grizzlies want to get rid of BC. They're not shopping him at all. I just think when they pick up the phone and call anybody and say, "Hey, we want insert name, Buddy Hill, Zach Levine, you know, Bradley Beal, like what you know, those little lo- the loftier guys," mm-hmm. uh, then that team's immediately going to say, "Okay, great." we're going to take Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark at minimum. And then also some picks like, and yeah. then if, if, if that's not even on the table at all, then they're going to hang up the phone. And you know, there's just, there's no reason to give up players like that for just a few picks and Dylan Brooks and Gorgie Dang. Like there's just, there's no, what do they get out of that? The, the, the teams that are trading these guys want assets in return for them um, and assets beyond who knows what the pick could be and beyond some second rounders in 2023. Uh, so it's like, you know, I think that you're going to have to swing big. Um, and unless you see BC being a part of this a championship team with these guys, then I feel like you have to, um, it, unless next year they come out and win 20 straight games or something. And you're like, okay, I get it. But <laughs> it, it's a tough spot to be in. It really is. Like it's, it's the proper amount of riches. However, draft lottery coming up, uh, moving on to a different topic. Grizzlies have what a 2.3% chance of jumping in the top four. Um, I mean, yeah. it, that would be insane. I mean, I don't know if I would like that. I guess I would, because then the theory is we could add another young talent with this core and then go from there um, or convey the pick to the Celtics, which is, I think, what our original intention was. But I I think it's pretty much set that we're not going to be adding talent via the draft. Not at least not a third guy, not a guy of like a Zach Levine stature or, you know, even a Buddy Heald stature um, through the draft. So we have to get a guy like that in trade. But you guys have any thoughts on drafting? It's possible that next year we fall out of the playoffs and end up in the lottery, um, you know, because the West is just that good. And we just happenstancely find ourselves with the 
you know, the number 11 pick, but then the number 11 pick, how many times we've we seen that turn into a, a legitimate guy. That's, that's a tough place to be because you can't really make any steals there, but also like you're not high enough to get a, a guy that like is, you know, we know is going to be good kind of thing. Um, you know, unless you look into a Devin Booker or something. Any this draft thoughts? This draft is just not, <laughs> not that impressive. It's weird. Super grateful that we had the number two pick last year, not this year. Um, yeah, I'd kind of like to be this year though, around fourteen or fifteen, because there's a lot of three and D shooters yeah, in this draft. There's a lot of guys that people are saying like this guy could be, you know, like a lights out shooter and defender, and yeah, like maybe Ray from Villanova comes to mind. He's yeah, a, he's there's a kid at Vanderbilt too. That, uh, there's a kid uh, at Vanderbilt or Nesmith, Aaron Nesmith. Yeah. Yeah, the the high end of this this lottery, like the top five, top ten picks, not impressive. But there are definitely some gems um, that can be found later, uh, yeah. especially on the wing. Uh, but at the end of the day, like we said, like we're hoping that Justice can be that switchable, long, rangy wing defender, multi positional. Um, we need a scorer, somebody else that can put the ball in the bucket. Something that I noticed too was in the playing game. Like, uh, yeah, I agree, Rich. Like, is that we had on the first possession of the game, we ran Kyle at the point and had Jaw playing off ball. And I really liked that different look. Like, you could tell Jenkins was going with something different to throw off the Blazers from the very beginning of the game. Um, they were just expecting to pick up Jaw, and that was just going to be the way it was going to go. But Jaw started off ball for a couple possessions. And I like that. Like, he can, you know, he's a good cutter. He's a cerebral basketball player. He's obviously all dangerous in the backdoor cut for a dunk. Uh, and then at the end of the shot clock, you can give them the ball and you can get downhill on a dribble handoff. Uh, but I, I like to see that. So I think they'll run a lot of that with Justice, too. Once you get Justice in the lineup and presumably he's a he's ba- Justice is what you hope is like Kyle 3.0. Right. He can be the point guard. He can shoot the open three. He can defend his ass off. He's actually athletic enough to you know, defend everybody and not just kind of defend based on like long you know, uh, IQ. Uh, so that, that's kind of what you hope is that that. Justice is Kyle 3.0, and then you hope that we find the Dylan 2.0, I think, is kind of what, what our uh, our hope is as Grizzlies fans. But is there any other – you guys have any other thoughts that we haven't discussed? Long time till basketball starts. Like uh, January to March is when they're saying games are going to come back um, based on the – Michelle Roberts had a meeting apparently with the – this is this is a tweet that I, I obviously don't know. But um, she told the players that the collective bargaining agreement is going to be renegotiated. Uh, it's going to be ripped up due to the force majeure provision of the pandemic, and they're going to have to renegotiate it. And that they think that um, the negotiations will go fine, but it's still going to be a process. So therefore, games won't come back till, you know, maybe early spring next year. So that we're looking at what six months without Grizzlies basketball is probably the likely situation. Um, been there before, almost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and that was that was basically a standard off season was what we just had. And then we yeah. had this little taste and now we're going for an even longer period. So it's tough like that. It's uh, it's going to be tough. And you hope that uh, hope they can get that negotiated. And we're back in the gym sooner than later with fans, without fans. We don't know. I think, yeah, guess got to stay tuned to the playoffs. Are there any first round matchups that you guys are particularly excited about in the east or the west rich yeah uh definitely excited about um i mean of course lakers blazers like of course yeah. come on now like come on come <laughs> on man. like the, come on now. I'm, I'm definitely excited about that one 
Uh, for you sure, can show that hat now. Grizzlies are done, so you can. Oh yeah, Grizzlies are done. Man, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like the Lakers are just gonna beat the shit out of the Blazers. Yeah, I feel like I, I was on Twitter. It's be a sweep. Like, I don't know who is watching these Blazer games, thinking that they're about to get the Lakers trouble. Like, yeah, so, I, I, yeah, um, I, I, I can't fathom that. Like, so who, who guards Anthony Davis? Right, like no, Zonia? No. Get the fuck out of here, Whiteside. Right. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely to see uh, Luca versus the Clippers uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be an interesting series, um, especially uh, also the four or five. I believe in the East is Philly and Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely think Philly is not going anywhere. But I've really become a Matisse Tybel fan, and Brett Brown just recently stated that he's going to insert him in the starting lineup just because he's their best wing defender, and Boston has a richest of young wings and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who I love watching play as well. Um, so definitely, man, just looking forward to those and just looking forward to this all-day basketball still. I think, like, tomorrow shit starts at, like, 1.30 or, like, yeah. 2.30. And Playoff games at 1.30, man. All night. Like, yeah, it's like, amazing. It's fucking beautiful. So yeah. definitely looking forward to still having the playoffs at least. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I don't you? have any. I, I like the uh, the Raptors. I'm excited to see what they do. Um, I, I can't wait for the second round. East matchups. That's going to be fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and you got you know Celtics, Raptors, presumably, and Bucks are playing the. Um, I don't know who the who, who the who the winner of the uh, four or five. Who's that? The Pacers Heat. Pacers oh, Heat. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, you're thinking Bucks Heat be fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, Jimmy Butler too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see what a lot more of the East than I think I am the West. I think the Jazz are going to get smoked. Conley just let oh, the yeah. bubble. Shout out yeah. Mike Conley, birth of his newborn son, yeah, Elijah. Um, so congratulations on that. Uh, you know, definitely a, why you leave the bubble for that, and that's how it goes. But that, of course, leaves the Jazz high and dry. Not his fault, but it just it is a fact. Um, so they're going to be kind of struggling, I think, to win against uh, – yeah. And uh, I'm excited to see what Michael Porter Jr. does too. Like if he can be that superstar scorer uh, at the wing that the Nuggets have always needed and, and you know, see what he does in the playoffs. Um, but it's it's exciting to watch constant wall to wall basketball, and that'll have to tide me over till the Grizzlies return in like 2023 or whenever. <laughs> hey, but the good news is by then, like if it takes that long, a lot of these old guys will be out of the league, and the Grizzlies young guys Perfect. will be like in their yeah. prime. Exactly. <laughs> we, yeah, we just we fast forward to, to our suffer. prime. We won't have to suffer um, through the middling years again. So, yeah, quick contour story. So um, I uh, was at my dentist's office and I was uh, it's, it's Main Street Dental. Shout out Main Street Dental. Shout out Dr. Rump on uh, Main Street. Um, and uh, she has a, a, a plethora of dental hygienists. I feel like every time I go in there, I have a different one. Um, they're all very friendly and nice. One of them, uh, I get in the chair and I'm getting a filling done, actually. And so they recline you and they have a TV on above you. And it's ESPN is usually what I ask to put on, which is a stereotypical dude thing. But like. What else am I going to watch? I'm not going to watch like Good Morning America or whatever else they got. Um, so I, I, t- I turn on ESPN and, um, you know, what like NBA's on. They're talking about the bubble. And the dental hygienist asked me, you know, what's the deal with that? She had no idea what was happening. Like she had no idea that they were all going to go down to Orlando and live in this bubble at Disney World. Literally had no idea. And so I was like explaining it to her, mansplaining, of course, you know, like uh, like like all men do. Um, especially white guys. And, uh, and so I was just in there mansplaining to her about the bubble. And uh, she did, uh, she was like, Oh, one of my, one of my friends is on the Grizzlies. And uh, I was like, Oh really? Who? And he, he, she's like, uh, uh, John Conchar. And I'm like, Oh, Conchar. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I almost asked, how do you know him? But I immediately occurred to me that she probably banged. And it was just a, <laughs> it was just a weird, like it was like a, and maybe this is me foisting this on this girl. Uh, but like in my head, I thought, nice, John, like, I was like, 
nice dude. And because uh, it was like, I was just like, how would you be friends with him? He's not from here. Like he, he you know, he's, he's from Indiana and he played in, the, in the, the G League mostly. And like, how would you have met him? Like, I don't know. Like a very, they could very well have this very wholesome could, relationship. Could have just like met and, downtown <laughs> or something. I don't know. I, it, like, had, it, it had it's a sexually charged. Like a really charming guy. Like he has a cult following and like yeah. his jitty stuff. Yeah, so, Jitty's a, a really engaging guy. I mean, he's a handsome guy. He's an NBA basketball player. Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not like clowning on her for potentially, you know, uh, tasting those waters. But like, I'm just saying that, like, I, I got like a weird vibe, and like, I almost asked, "How do you know him?" But then I thought that that could be a very awkward question, right? Because then she'd be like, "Oh, you know, we're just friends," you know, or, or it's possible she would have explained to me the depth of their relationship, and maybe they like met at church or a youth group or something. I don't know. Like, I, but it just had a vibe, man. Like, and and I just remember thinking, like, nice, John. Like, uh, so I shout out, uh, shout out, uh, dental hygienist and Conchar. Uh, he's yeah, I fucked with Conchar too. I hope he, yeah. he keeps one of the two ways next year. Uh, for sure, I like what he brings to the court. We can we can get rid of Yuda and bring somebody else. Yeah, Yuda. Yeah, nice Yuda guy. Shoots nice that hoe when he comes in, though. Like, every time he <laughs> comes in, he shoots it. <laughs> Looks like Kobe with respect to his shot attempt when he comes in. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer. So we'll have to figure out what stuff we're going to talk about. I guess we'll be like every other blog boys and talk about what happens in the playoffs um, and try to have to learn more about these other teams. But excited to see what happens and mostly excited to see the Battle of L.A. I think we're all waiting for the Western Conference yep. Finals to occur and to see to see what happens. Um, and does Avery Bradley fly back in the bubble? Does LeBron, <laughs> does LeBron uh, play some, you know, 2.30 a.m. phone calls to him in like a like a black duster and, a t- and like a hat like in the middle of Orlando being like, hey, man, it's safe here. Like we need you. Um, and uh I will say though that the, the, the Lakers don't have anyone to guard Dame and CJ. They don't. Like, they have no perimeter defenders. Right. Like, so they, Avery they, Bradley was the perimeter defender. Yeah, he's the guy. And he's a good. He's a great perimeter defender. Like, it, yeah. it, it, you wonder how that's going to. I mean, they can't trade buckets with them. I think inevitably LeBron's going to have to end up guarding in the fourth quarter Dame or CJ, whichever one of them is going off, yeah. and we'll see that happen. But you know, that's that's going to be kind of a tough hang to see like um, some of their guards. D, uh, Dame or CJ. Yeah, they're going to light it up, but whoever's guarding AD is barbecue chicken. So just yeah. get a damn ball to AD and get out the way. Yeah. Fucking I think that's Zach probably Collins, just fucking move. Yeah, yeah, Zach Collins. Zach Collins, man. I remember everyone talking about him when, like, they were like, oh, when Zach Collins and, and uh, Nurkic come back. <laughs> is if, like, putting them together in terms of, like, quality. Yeah, like, yeah. Man, like, Nurkic is like, I yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah. Zach Collins, no. Hey, Zach Collins has the drip, though, for sure. I'll give him that. Zach Collins be fresh. I'll give him yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get that. I mean, I, he looks like a, he should be good, you know. Like, yeah. but he just uh, he's not a six like kid with like movie star. I guess like the jawline and shit. He's handsome. Yeah, he's like wears a leather jacket for sure, <laughs> and he's in the, the alleyway snapping. I just know. Yeah, him. he he has a West Side Story look to him for sure. West Side Story vibes. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. Like he like sings hat like in sings musicals <laughs> in the locker room. Like he calls out defensive assignments like with. The instinct song, yeah. This is definitely the content that people are here for. That's why you're listening to us on Nothing But Net on Dash Radio. Uh, this is probably the content they want. They don't want to hear about the bum ass Grizzlies. Yeah, no, no one's yeah. tuned in for that. Probably. If you're still listening, Conchar gets it, and Zach Collins is a creaser. <laughs> All right, wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for listening to uh, the Backdoor Cut show on 
iTunes or wherever you are listening. And please listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Until next time, see you later. Go Grizz. Peace.